a lot of people that fear of networking comes because there's a transaction or like a desperation that goes to it. So when people network, they feel like they have to network to find a job or they need it as a means to an end to something when really it should be kind of a practiced thing in your life, like a, like a Pilates class. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. On the podcast this week is Emily Merrill, the founder and CEO of Six Degree Society. And if you haven't heard of Six Degree Society before this moment, I am so excited to introduce you guys to them. Six Degrees is a women's networking group that hosts a diversified series of monthly programming for millennial young professionals. And in just two years, they have evolved into much more than strictly professional networking. They are now an ever-growing community of women from all over the country who empower themselves and each other, are hungry to learn new skills, and are really tomorrow's game changers. Six Degree Society takes the guesswork out of who you will meet while at networking events, and they really create a warm and inviting environment to be the most authentic version of yourself. And during this week's episode, Emily really walks us through what you can expect when you attend one of her events. And she also shares with us really where Six Degree Society began, what inspired it. And she also shares some amazing tips for any networking event and really any sort of networking situation. We also chat about what she's learned about herself since stepping out on her own, following her passions, and becoming an entrepreneur and really how in doing so, it's allowed her to be the most authentic version of herself. Emily also shares how she's been able to trust her journey, tools and practices that she really relies on to stay balanced and cultivate more self-love in her life and how staying present brings her really the most joy. Before we dive into this week's episode, you know I have to share the iTunes review of the week, and this week it comes from MDA08AYZ, and it says, Inspiring. I love Sydney's calming and positive outlook on life and her genuine inquiry into how others find joy in their lives. This podcast starts me off with a positive outlook on my day. Well, MDA08AYZ. Z, that was like a tongue twister for me for a second there. Thank you so much for rating and reviewing Seek the Joy podcast on Apple iTunes. And if you have been enjoying this podcast or if a topic or a guest has resonated with you in some way or made an impact on your life and you feel so inspired to leave us a rating and review, I would be so grateful. Just make sure to take a screenshot of your review and send it to sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com. I will send you my brand new guide for infusing more joy into your life, as well as a couple of limited edition Seek the Joy podcast stickers. Honestly, just to say thank you. So I attended my first Six Degree Society event back in May. And honestly, guys, it was such a positive experience. I'm totally hooked and I can't wait to go to the next event that they host here in Los Angeles. So I'm never going to push anything on you, but I highly, highly recommend that after you're done listening to this episode, head over to SixDegreeSociety.com and check out their events. See if there's an event in your area and go. You will 
not regret it. You won't regret the experience. Everybody I met was so kind and warm and personable and happy to be there and happy to get to know you and connect with you. So I am so excited about this week's episode. So excited for you guys to hear from Emily and meet Emily and learn more about Six Degree Society. So without further ado, here is my conversation with truly the wonderful and inspiring Emily Merrill. Hi everyone, I'm Emily Merrill. I'm the founder of Six Degrees Society, a women's focused networking organization with 10 chapters across the country. At our events, we handpick who you meet while networking, so each person meets two people for 15 minutes each based on bios submitted pre-event. Following the matches, we have an hour of programming, which vary from fireside chats, panels, workshops, and various activities. Can't wait to meet you. I love it. I love what you're doing and I love the matching. And before we go really into just how your events work, where did it all start? Where did you get the idea? Where did it all, where did it all really begin? Oh, so so many different things inspired this, this actual organization. Um, it started when I was working in fashion, I was working at Tory Birch and I felt very, very, very siloed. Um, I was doing special events and marketing and it was an amazing job. I just felt like I wasn't learning beyond my role in fashion. And how do you continue learning as an adult without going to law school or a master's <laughs> program or business school? Um, and I didn't want to pursue something that I wasn't a hundred percent positive about. So what I decided to do was find experts and have individuals teach these little like one-on-one mini workshops. So that way you can kind of get like a taste of what you're interested in. And then if you wanted to pursue it further than that, you could go to whatever course they're providing. So the whole like idea of the matches started three different ways, basically. One, I was really, really lucky to be privy to a salon. Like I was invited to this incredible Mm -hmm. woman's salon. She kind of handpicked each woman that was there. And she was the ultimate connector. Like she would be kind of pulling you along throughout the night, be like, Emily, you need to meet this person. Oh, and then you need to meet this person. So she was doing the the matching for you and making those introductions really, really seamless. Secondly, I loved um, at the Tory Burch Foundation at the time, and I don't know if they still do this. They used to match about 10 entrepreneurs to like one mentor. And it was for 20 minutes. And I loved the idea of how everyone got to speak with one expert. But the downside of that was if you're super shy or if you're super talkative, um, you don't get that time, that actual time with the mentor. So all of these kind of background things that I had learned um, over my time in New York City, I applied to building my organization because I found I, first off, have the attention span of a 12-year-old boy, so 15 minutes is perfect. I think 15 minutes is the perfect time to kind of get a sense of that person without you feeling like you're trapped, or if you want more time with them, then you know that you can make plans with them afterwards. Secondly, like with a group of 45 women, how do you jump in? And Mm. I never wanted someone just to feel awkward or uncomfortable, and nor did I want you to kumbaya and everyone tell their story and we have to go around and hear 45 women's, um, (laughs) stories, which is great. But I feel like by the fourth person, you'll probably fall over with exhaustion. Um, so I think there's something really, really special about having it tailored to the individual. And then, you know, the commonalities don't have to be business focused and most times they aren't, it might be like, 
you might be in a place of transition and I know this career coach is an awesome resource for you. So it's not necessarily always like an, an equal, like give take, but, um, there's an opportunity for, for you to learn something from that person. So yeah, it's been really cool. I've seen people who are like, I match them unbeknownst to me on one reason. Uh, and then they, they pull me towards them and they're like, Oh my God. how did you know we went to the same high school? But like, we're six years apart there. That's amazing. Do you do all the matches yourself, by the way? I do. It's a very fun manual process that I still haven't gotten rid of. Yeah. So I make all the matches for all of the markets. Um, so kind of like the big brother of sorts, which is really, really fun. Uh, I love the fact that I get to see all these bios and I, I love the way people write about themselves. Um, you know, to the point of being a lawyer, I think there's something interesting where you could see this person's a lawyer and make all these assumptions about an individual based on what they do. Like, Oh, it might be, they might be boring or they might be dry, but really when I see their bios, like I've seen the sassiest lawyers, um, right, right about their love of Netflix and margaritas and uh, yeah, it just like shows their personality and without the bios, I think we would just make assumptions. Yeah. I think that's a really good point too, because often, you know, you make that judgment based upon what you see on paper. So I love that you have people write bios and give them a real concrete opportunity to show who they are and what they're about and what they love. And then to make those connections based upon those commonalities rather than Mm -hmm. just what your job title is. Um, Mm -hmm. So I really love that you do that. And it could be running. Like it might be you're, you're trying to get back into running or get, getting back into class pass or something like that. And the commonality might be like a workout buddy. Because it's hard to find a good workout buddy in a new city. It's so hard. It's hard to find a workout Mm -hmm. buddy. It's hard to find (laughs) friends. It's hard. I mean, whenever you're in a new city or even in a city that you've been in your whole Mm -hmm. life, I think it goes back to what you were just saying about how do you continue learning as an adult, Mm -hmm. but also how do you continue to make new friends and new connections as an adult? And I think for so many of us, the idea of networking is scary and daunting Mm -hmm. and, um, not something a lot of people want to do. And so I just think it's so cool how you not only have matches at the beginning and a structured time for people to talk to each other, but then you have Mm -hmm. programming that's like specific to the event. And it takes out, I think it takes a lot of the pressure off of people. I completely agree. And I think uh, that's the million dollar question is like, how do you, how do you make friends as an adult? You know, we, we have our friends from high school. We have our friends from college. We have our friends from our jobs. And then what? Like, how do you make quality grown up friends when you move or when you outside of those particular friend groups? And that was something that I was really feeling. And, you know, I was feeling, I was questioning my, my job trajectory. I was like, is this what I'm going to do the rest of my life? Am I going to be an events director? Am I going to always work in fashion? Like this is the job that people would kill for. And yet I feel like a little Mm. restless. Why do I feel that way? And, um, so I fortunately like kind of, I've been a people collector my whole life. Like I Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, collect people from all parts and walks of my life and then force them to become friends with one another. So essentially that that I do this as a job is, yes, it's perfect. Yeah. It was interesting, like asking these questions out loud and, you know, having people then connect me to other people that were feeling the same way. And I ended up creating this community that wasn't my original friends, but it, it was an extension of my friends. And that yeah. was interesting. So I think a lot of times for people who don't know where to start, start with asking your friends and say like, I'm, I am feeling this way and I don't know what to do. Do you have any people you can introduce me with? Cause 
that's the easiest place to start. Yeah, starting with your actual physical network and then branching mm-hmm. out from there. Um, I've done that with friends. I have friends who do that with me. And it's amazing. Once you start asking around, you know, for contacts for yourself or, or, or for someone else, you really start to realize just how vast your network is. I think mm-hmm. we can forget about that. Maybe you have five people that you talk to every day and you forget about the other 100 or 50 or whatever it is in Mm -hmm. your life that you're actually connected to. And I think that aspect of networking and community, I think is so important. And just to even recognize, you know, that you already have it, but it's okay to want to extend upon it too. A hundred percent agree. I love the, um, this quote that I say a lot, actually, where you build your network when you don't need it and then tap it when you do. Mm. So I feel like a lot of people that fear of networking comes because there's a transaction or like a desperation that goes to it. So when people network, they feel like they have to network to find a job or they need it as a means to an end to something when really it should be kind of a practiced thing in your life, like a, like a Pilates class. It should be as regular in your life as like the Pilates class that you go to. It should be a little uncomfortable. It should be a little painful sometimes, (laughs) but you feel better afterwards. Yeah. Um, I love that. I love what you just said about how it's something, you know, that you should tap into or or build when you don't need it. mm -hmm. Build it when you don't need it. Tap into it when you do. I think when you need it is when you start scrambling for those connections. And so Mm -hmm. I love that quote. I love that you referenced that. I think it takes um, some of the fear and the scariness out of it too. If you're just looking to, you know, build more people into your life Mm -hmm. as opposed to having a specific purpose for those people. So let's say someone comes to an event and they're Mm -hmm terrified. They're an introvert. They don't like to talk to people. They don't know where to start. What would be your top tip for someone who who's kind of in that position? For sure. Well, if it's my event, I would be greeting them at the front. So I'd be hugging them, giving them their name tag, pushing a glass of champagne in their hands the second they walked in. <laughs> and then <laughs> I know I'm a, I'm a pusher. Um, and then I would introduce them to someone just right off the bat. We have 20 minutes of like mingling when people arrive. And then once everyone's arrived, the way that I check everyone in is I have all of the name tags pre-written out. So you don't have to like take that time to write your name tag. You find it. They're all alphabetical. I force everyone to put their stuff down too and like properly be present so they're not like schlopping their 45 pound backpack or mm-hmm. bag from work. And um, after that, then I make an announcement and I have them go to their two matches. And so by then they're pretty, they're pretty worn in. I feel like they're yeah. pretty good. Um, for normal people at a normal event that doesn't have that. And, <laughs> and I honestly went to an event the other day where I spoke with my two friends and that was it. I came home to my boyfriend and I was like, I didn't talk to anyone today. He's like, are you, are you ill? Are you okay? <laughs> and I was like, I just didn't feel it. Like I didn't, it wasn't an energy where I wanted to talk to anyone. It wasn't like a space that was conducive to networking. So I observed, I listened to the panel and I peaced out, Yeah, which was very much unlike me anyways. But yeah, normal situations, I would most likely plop down, like guard a seat or something if, if that was what you needed to do. But, you know, strike up a conversation organically and easily. I like to be in control of the conversations too. I like to usually find the people more than the people find me mm-hmm. just because I'm more of a control freak too. And then I can kind of drive a conversation that way. So my like main hack of like introducing myself to people is a compliment, you know, it's like genuinely complimenting them on a purse that they're carrying or like an iPhone case or 
or even like question them and be like, wait, where was the bar? Like, can you show me where the bar is? And kind of ask them and engage them in some way. So it's, it's not just like, what do you do? I swear to God, if you ever say your first question, what do you do to someone like you should be slapped in the face because that is (laughs) the worst way the, the second someone asks me, what do you do? Yeah. I literally, I'm a very sarcastic person and it takes everything in my power not to be like, oh, so you don't, you don't do this often, do you? Oh <laughs> or my like, God. Or you can't try. Yeah. That's the best you got. Like it kills me. Like my biggest thing is you can get a person's whole life story just by asking them questions organically. So for example, I like your shirt and you're like, oh, cool. My mom gave it to me. And I'm like, oh, does your mom live in Los Angeles. And you're like, actually, she lives down the block from me. Um, she used to be a fashion designer. And like, are you a fashion designer too? No, I'm actually a lawyer. And so I got all of those questions and all of the information that I need, all of the details that I need from you. And I, I sometimes feel like I could be a spy, to be honest. Um, where, <laughs> those private well, investigator skills, honestly, yeah. those PI skills come out. We, we don't even know we have them, but it just comes out. It comes out. Yeah. But, but I'm like, what's your first dog's name? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, but, but seriously, being able to ask all of these, these questions in a way where it's more of a, it weaves together and it's a narrative, not where it's not like attacking the person and being like, where are you from? What do you do? Yeah. The worst is I think when it feels like a game of 20 questions and you're exhausted by the end of the exchange because you feel like it was just like drilling at you all those different questions. And I think it's an easy crutch to fall into like, oh, so what do you do? But there are different ways to weave in those questions and then to really form that genuine relationship or or connection in that moment. And then you can decide, Mm -hmm. you know, do I want to keep building upon it or do I want to move on? Mm -hmm. But I think in a networking setting outside of what you do, I think making that transition out of that conversation is the hardest thing. And I've had times where I've been trapped like for 25 minutes and I'm just like, I don't know how to get out of this. They're not really asking me anything. I don't have anything else to ask them. So I usually say, I'm just going to use the ladies room. I'll, I'll be right back. And then, you like, know, you me just, too. you just, yeah. and the, that's the worst is if they say oh, me yeah. too, and then you have to go together to the bathroom. Like, I don't recommend that, but you've got to find a way to transition out of it. In those circumstances, I think the, the best way to do that and handle it like a grown up is to, like make a plan with that person or like connect, make that connection with the person. So you can kind of give it like a concrete end. I'm not a fan of business cards. I actually hate business cards mm. because I went to a BNI once and not to crap on them, but like they asked for a hundred business cards and I gave away a hundred of my business cards. And I was like, this is BS. Like, I don't want to waste my business cards oh my for God. people who a hundred, a yeah. hundred business That's a cards, lot of cards and they're expensive. They're, they're not cheap. Like I had nice cards. I was like, it's not worth it. No. And what I was realizing, like, if you look in any of my jacket pockets, I have like a stack of business cards from people that I probably haven't emailed because I'm a huge believer that things have to happen in the moment. So if I met you at a party or if I met you in an Uber pool or if I met you at a networking event, you make a plan or you connect with that person there via email. So I literally will be like, let me grab your email. I have them write it into into my um, email and then I write it write an email to them that was like great connecting in the Uber pool in their inbox, the balls in their court. So you don't have to worry about like reaching out to them later on or like sitting down and dedicating 30 minutes of your day, writing these lengthy emails to people. Yeah. Those are the worst. 
in my background, I told you I'm obviously a lawyer. And so I come from this kind of very professional schooling and they teach you like a specific way to network and write a resume and you come with business cards. And, and, and then I find myself, I'm at home after the event with all of these business cards and I'm trying to remember all these details about the person and I want to send, you know, an email, but it's like, if you can do it, just like you said in that moment and include something that's specific to where you met, what you talked about. I just really think this is becoming, I really think this is just more of a modern, like, (laughs) hello, we're in 2018. This is how we should network. And as opposed to maybe what a lot of us are being taught or not being taught in school. And you are, you said you're a people collector. (laughs) And so I can totally see that because you are so personable. And um, I already feel like you and I have known each other for a long time, but we haven't. And so it sounds like this networking aspect and connecting people has been something that you've always, you've always done. And so when did you decide mm-hmm. like, okay, I want to make this transition into doing this full time, putting my love really for connecting people into doing, you know, what I'm doing all the time. It was not something that I ever thought I would do full time. It was, it was always something I was always a side hustler. I always mm-hmm. had a lot of like, even when I worked full time, I worked for another company planning events for them. And then did this as a side hustle. Like I I'm a doer. This is the first time in my life that I'm like, I need to get a side hustle. It's really weird. A like, side hustle I, for the side hustle that just became your full sure. hustle. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I'm like, what, oh my God. what do I do now? Like I have too much time on my hands. This is weird. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I clearly have problems, but <laughs> I, yeah, so I was working full time and I, I left Tori and I went to Intermix after that and all amazing places and people and everything like that. But I felt that I was really proud of what I was building at night and kind of drained by what I was building during the day. Yeah. So my, my night job just was really fulfilling me. And I had all these friends that kept these, these friends that I had developed through my my events or through friends of friends that were really shepherding me along the way. They're like, you, I don't know why you're taking this job at Intermix. You should be doing this full time. And I was like, no, I'm too young. I'm not experienced enough. I don't have enough information under my belt. I I can't do it. So it's too scared. I was really, really terrified to lose stability, to lose consistency in my life. And one day it was back in 2015, November, 2015, I went to my high school reunion and there were so many people that were still living kind of near home and they weren't, they were happy. They were content with their lives. And I was really happy for them, but I felt to myself, like, I'm not content with my life yet. And I, I want to come back to my 20 year reunion and feel like really proud of what I've accomplished and what I've built because fashion didn't give me that. Like it, it made me happy that I had done that. And I was proud that I worked at the places I did, but I didn't feel like I built anything. I, mm. I was more a cog in the wheel. And I kid you not, this like sensation came over my body of knowing where I was like, I'm quitting my job. And I sat down with my mom and my mom has been there from day one. She was the first person to, to check people in at my mm. very first event. And I was like, I think I want to do this side, you know, the thing that I'm doing, I want to do it full time. And instead of doing what most sane mothers should be doing, and my mom probably can't figure out how to listen to this podcast, but, or maybe she will, but so sorry, mom, if you do, um, she was like, go for it. And she's like, you should do this. And, you know, financially, like probably wasn't as prepared as I could have or should have been, but to be completely honest, I think if you're overprepared, the fire doesn't burn hard enough. Mm-hmm. And because I was like just enough prepared, 
that fire was consuming my body. I was, I mean, my last day of work, I think was December 22nd. Then it was Christmas and the holidays. And then January one, it was like, you know, hit the, hit the ground running. And there was no question of failure. There was no question of sacrifice. I learned how to say no. It taught me boundaries. It taught me how to prioritize things. My friends wanted to kill me that year. I think this is well, they probably wanted to kill me last year too, but, um, <laughs> there was a lot of, you know, a lot of saying no to things. And like, I was always up for a dinner back in the day and I was always, you know, that, that friend that would go on every trip. And yeah. I, th- that was the hardest thing to, to figure out was the balance of living your life. Yeah. Living your life. And then, you know, following your passion and feeling good mm-hmm. about it and, and taking that risk, because I really do think that entrepreneurial path takes so much bravery and courage. And it really, I have found through all the different people I've talked to who have taken that plunge, that dive, you know, headfirst into doing it with oftentimes no business background or experience or <laughs> training, right? Mm-hmm. It was a real turning point for them where they just knew, I have to pursue this. I have to do this. I won't feel good or complete about my life unless I do it. And it sounds like that was totally, totally your experience. And have you felt confident in your decision since since making that choice? Or have you had moments where you're like, <sighs> I don't know if I, if I did the right thing? I always, I've always felt confident about making this choice. I, there's not a day that I'm like, I so wish I was on a 20th floor in a cubicle doing what I was doing before. I I think if anything, this, this leap has changed me for the best. It has made me a stronger person. It's made me a more communicative person. It's made me a more, more observant person. Um, and it's made me really own what I'm working on because I had these moments of doubt when I was on representing a company, like, is this the right thing I'm supposed to say? Is this how I should be saying it? Oh shoot. I just cursed. That's not great. I'm this, I'm a bad representation of, of the brand that I'm working for. And now I get to be authentically myself. I'm very, very authentically myself when you meet me. And even just being able to talk to these companies that I never in a million years thought I would be able to work with them. I'm working with them, but I'm, I am me. And that's that's the coolest part of it. That's so interesting and really cool how stepping into working for yourself or starting your own business, starting your own company has really forced you to be the most authentic version of who you are. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes we think maybe it will be the opposite. Maybe we'll Mm -hmm. have to put up a front or present ourselves in a certain way to be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. Because this is something you did say earlier, you know, as a young woman who's an entrepreneur and entering this world, I think that you have two things, one being a woman and then two being young, right? Mm -hmm. And being in that age demographic where maybe people don't take you as seriously. And Mm -hmm. so to be able to really be authentically who you are in those moments, because you are representing yourself and the brand that you've created, it's so cool to hear how that's really been your, your experience. Because I Mm -hmm. think we, we might expect it to be the opposite. Yeah, no, I, I have not felt regret. It is funny though. Um, it still sounds really weird when people say the name of my company out loud. Mm. Like I, there's a little imposter syndrome there. They're like, wow. So, you know, I the founder of six degrees society. I'm like, that's so weird. 
That's really weird. Yeah, this is so yeah. interesting. You just said imposter syndrome because I had a conversation actually for the podcast that came out this week. We had a conversation about imposter syndrome as well. And I think it's it's very hard in, for us to wear what we've done and wear mm-hmm. those accomplishments proudly. Um, whenever anyone says, oh yeah, Sydney has a podcast. And I'm like, and it, they talk yeah. about different accomplishments that it's had. And I'm like, are you sure you're talking about me? Because I don't you know, you don't think about yourself that way in that moment. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily walk around wearing it as a badge Mm -hmm. of honor. You know, you wake up every day, you take care of the tasks that you need to take care of, you put in the long hours, and then you do, you wake up and you do it again the next day. And so when someone brings that to the forefront and brings attention to it, I think it takes you aback a little bit. And Mm -hmm. so dealing with that imposter syndrome, I don't know if it ever ends. We might have to chat in like 10 years and see if it's still something we're dealing with. I had the honor and pleasure of of interviewing Jesse Mueller or moderating a panel with Mm. Jesse Mueller, who's from, she's a huge Broadway star. She was Carol King and beautiful and she was the lead in Waitress and she's just, she's remarkable and her voice is that of an angel. (laughs) And I asked her, I was like, so do you feel like you've made it? Like, have you made it? is this, is this it for you? And she's like, I've never will feel like I've made it. And Mm. that was interesting to hear someone who I feel like is so accomplished, feel like, you know, there's always something to strive for. And so I wonder if that feeling is, is not limited to, to celebrities too. You know, you're in one big film, but then you need to like be in two to make sure that like you're a legit celebrity or legit actress. Yeah. And I think that's interesting too, is like, first of all, you're always have new goals that you're striving Mm -hmm. for. I think we never stop setting new goals for ourselves. And if we do, maybe it's time to redirect and change directions and change what we're doing. But Mm -hmm. then that other aspect too, is like, are you setting those goals for yourself because it's what you want to do? Or are you doing it because you feel like you you need to do it to be legitimate? Mm -hmm. And I think that's another key aspect of that imposter syndrome is feeling legitimate, like what you're doing is legitimate, that, Mm -hmm. you know, people take you seriously. People want to be part of what you're doing. People want to attend those events. Well, on on the topic of goal setting, I was talking to someone yesterday on the live stream. I was I don't love goal setting. Mm -hmm. I kind of suck at goal setting. I think I'm an anomaly in this sense where when I set goals, I feel like I'm more of like a self-sabotager and, um, in that sense of the, the way of goal setting. So things I've, I think I always have vision and I have hopes, but I, things have happened and unfolded in such a beautiful way with my business that I don't think like when I, whenever I set a goal for myself, I end up getting distracted and going in a completely different (laughs) direction. So I wonder if that's just, it's like when you're supposed to be, you know, doing the dishes, but then you're like, I'm going to go do laundry instead. Because you're avoiding it in some way. You're avoiding it. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I, you know, I'm very grateful to everything that's happened. And, but I also really have been uh, trusting in the journey and seeing how things have unfolded because it's unfolded in ways that have surprised me. Like I didn't, ever expect to be in 10 markets. I never expected to be as big as we were. I thought we were going to just be New York, Chicago, LA, and I would travel back and forth between all three of those places. And then, you know, life happened and opportunities presented itself. But had I, had I been like, that's not the goal, that's not it. I don't think I would have said yes. Yeah. 
And I think that's interesting too, because I think in the traditional sense of setting goals, it can become mm-hmm. very rigid, right? So if yeah. I don't meet that goal, then I can't do the next thing. And so mm-hmm. maybe it's more about giving yourself that flexibility within mm-hmm. setting those goals. So having that big umbrella goal, but then knowing for yourself, you know, it doesn't have to look a certain way. The journey can have, you know, seven turns instead of five, you know? And so exactly. trust, trusting in that journey, I think is the hardest part. And uh, I think a lot of us struggle with it. How have you been able to really trust in that journey? Are there things that you do to kind of help yourself get through day to day or has it become more of, of a mm. mindset for you? I think it's more of a mindset. I've been really, really, really trying to treat this more like a job yeah. um, in, in the past year. So because the first year, this was my life. Like it was my entire life. It was, it defined me. It was me. And I think separating church and state a little bit and knowing that like, okay, I'm going to start work at nine and I'm going to probably end at about seven or if it's an event night, maybe nine o'clock and giving myself those boundaries and realizing like this is a job. And yes, because you created it doesn't mean it has to consume your whole entire being. And once I started looking at it like that, I think it really helped me kind of take a step back and plan accordingly. I actually live in San Francisco now, which you may or may not have known, but moving here has been fascinating to be away from New York because in New York, you know, if someone suggested to me like, hey, can we do an event? I really want to do it next month. And I'm like, shoot, I have an event on Wednesday and Thursday. Sure, we can do a Tuesday event, you know, and I would accommodate. And so stepping away from kind of like the energy, the high paced energy of New York, I've, I've been able to be like, okay, what is the cadence that I want my events to be? Like, what are the themes? But let me be more thoughtful. And it's okay to say no, yeah. we don't have spots until 2019. Or I don't think our audience would really resonate on that topic. Like, let's keep it, keep thinking about it and revisit it. Like, it's, yeah. it's okay not to do an event just because I should be doing an event. So yeah, I guess boundaries, boundaries and, um, and just becoming, treating it like a job, like a normal yeah. thing. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because, and I think you were working from home, obviously, or you do work from home most of the yeah, time. Yeah, I work from home or co-working spaces. So after this, I'll head to a co-working space. Yeah. So I take my calls in the morning from 10 to 2. And then I like really do the thick of my work from 2 to 6. Yeah. And that's when the emails slow down on the East Coast. And it's just like a really great time for me to kind of like deep dive and get stuff done quickly yeah. and more efficiently. Yeah, because I was going to say, I think especially when you work from home or, you know, if you don't have a co-working yeah. space available to you, I think the job or the work consumes you. So setting up that structure for yourself mm-hmm. and then moving away from having it define completely who you are and define your self-worth completely in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like that's been really helpful for you. And, mm-hmm. it, and then that adjustment period of, you know, just because you work from home doesn't mean you need to sit down and start answering emails at 730 in the morning because before you know it it's two o'clock and you're still in your pajamas pajamas. and you haven't showered you haven't eaten and so setting up that structure and it sounds like that's really helped you with balance quite a bit and guilt and like back to the mindset thing I had this horrible guilt like if I was working today I went for a run at 830 much later than I wanted to but I it just ended up being an 830 run and I got back at like 930 I was like wow I've really started my day later than I would normally like to start my day but I don't but don't feel guilty like I'm not going to make myself feel guilty for it and so when the guilty feelings were creeping in where I was like you could have been working and you could have been so much more productive had you started a few hours earlier you just reminded myself like 
you got to also enjoy the benefits of working for yourself. Yeah. Too. And reminding yourself that it's okay. You know, that's something yeah. I do too. It's like, I, I consume myself with that guilt and then it becomes that like negative self-talk wheel that you can't get off of, of like, oh my God, well, you should have done this an hour ago because now you're mm-hmm. behind on your whole day. And so letting go of that and learning to let go of that for mm-hmm. yourself, I think it's so interesting how we can be our biggest advocates, but also our biggest um, critics and enemies yeah. in that way. Exactly. And so mm-hmm. kind of learning, you know, to shift that and to maybe enjoy the benefits of what you're doing as opposed to focusing on the rigidity and, oh my God, I'm behind. And are there other things that you do though, to help you with balance or self-care? I mean, do you, mm-hmm. is it exercise? Is it spending time with family? I mean, what does that, what does that kind of look like for you? Yeah. So exercise is super important to me. Um, I'm traditionally a morning person, so I love exercising early, super early in the morning like 6.30 a.m. workout classes. So if I'm in New York, it's like a 6.30 a.m. workout yeah, class. Yeah. In San Francisco, it's still a little sketchy out at 6.30 a.m. So um, <laughs> It's a little different. It's a little different. Yeah. So I've, I've been adjusting it and doing evening classes because I just don't have as much to do here as I do there, which is great. It's been a good thing. Um, but yeah, so like working out five times a week. This week, my goal for myself was to be consistent in my meditation and my journal writing. Mm. So I, you know, every day this week I've been doing that and just, you know, whatever comes to my mind to write, it could be, um, something I'm grateful for goals that I want to accomplish that day or things that I'm feeling, um, reflections on watching the handmaid's tale last night, (laughs) whatever it may be. Yeah. But yeah. And then the meditation, I, I downloaded calm and that's by far the, been the, best app, uh, the best meditation app that I've found out there. So cause yeah. in the past, like I've gone on and off the, the meditation train and the journaling train, and I'm really excited to get back on it. And then la- lastly, we have a dog. And so I am a doggy mm. mommy. And usually my duty is to walk her in the middle of the day. Yeah. And it's really nice just to like leave the my phone at home and go outside and get some fresh air and go to Alamo Square Park and be like making friends with people and chatting um, and just being grateful for like the beautiful day. Yeah. Oh, I love these different things that you do. Mm -hmm. And it's so much of it is about breaking up your day too and taking that Mm -hmm. break. Uh, What kind of dog do you have, by the way? You know, I have to ask. Oh, of course. She's a black lab border collie mix. She came with the boyfriend. So um, yeah, she was, she was trained, which was great when we got her. (laughs) So he was too, which was nice. Oh Um, my God. That's hysterical. But but yeah, there it's awesome. It's been really kind of an amazing gift for me too, because it also taught me like, sounds so corny, but taught me responsibility. It taught me to pay attention to something that's not just myself. And, you know, the other day I had an event that was in the morning and I ended up co-working from that space and completely forgot to walk her. In the middle of the afternoon, I was like, I feel like I forgot something today. And then I realized, oh no, I forgot to, I forgot to walk her. Unfortunately, we were able to order a wag and she got walked, but yeah, it's just interesting. It really kind of prepared prepares you for the future. Totally. And having something, you know, outside of yourself to kind of remind you, like, you know, put things in perspective and to break up that day and break up your schedule and bring in that more balance. Because I think when you're juggling everything and you're trying to do it all, it can feel like you're drowning. And so to have go-to things like that, I think, Mm -hmm. I think is so important. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you earlier, which 
totally blanked on me, but when we were talking about guilt and Uh talking about feeling bad, you know, about maybe starting Mm -hmm. your day later, I think that kind of goes even deeper into kind of maintaining that level of like self-love and Mm self-compassion and kindness for ourselves. And um, I started talking a little bit about just like that train of like negative self-talk that we can really find ourselves um, going down. How have you been able to sort of maybe maintain or grow more of a self-love or compassion or, or kindness for yourself, maybe diving into entrepreneurship, but then also maintaining Mm -hmm. it, you know, along the way? Oh, great question. Honestly, I'm like, how have I been able to do it? I think for me on the weekends and being really selfish with my time and being really selfish with my weekend time has been an incredible way for self-love. Yeah. So on the weekends, again, being in San Francisco or even in New York, I I played this, this game too. I made zero plans. Mm. I would say, thank you. Like for the invite for everything. I love to burn myself out during the week and then like recoup on the weekends. But so my self-love, the weekends are so my time. And it's interesting. I live with my boyfriend now. So it's interesting. It's neat. Like figuring out how that works with a balancing another person. person. Yeah. Yeah, Another person back to the dog too, but (laughs) it helps a lot that, you know, both of us, like we're both workaholics. So we will put our, we'll put our phones away or computers away and we'll go outside and being outside has been, or we'll go for a little adventure. Like we went down to Carmel last weekend and, you know, just was present. We were very present. And when I'm shut off, I try to, my self love is like by being present and really giving myself that that attention or that person that I'm with that attention and not spreading myself so thin where I'm like, Oh, sorry. I have to check my phone again. Oh, sorry. I have to check my phone again. And back to self-love. I think maybe this isn't self-love, maybe back to boundaries. I've gotten, I've really tried to condition people to know that I'm not someone that's going to respond to you immediately because I don't want to set the precedent that this email person is more important than the person that I'm talking with right now, the person that I'm with in the moment. So kind of respecting myself and like not trying to spread myself too thin has been a big challenge, but a big task that I'm up to for, for self-love and for just my own sanity. Yeah. No, that sanity honestly is, (laughs) is so important. And I think so many of us are starting to lose it just with everything that we have going on. Do you feel like being present in the moment is also when you feel the most joy in your life Mm -hmm. too? Yeah. I love, I love hearing people's stories and I love, I love being able to solve problems and, and by being present in that, that moment with an individual or like a three hour window with that person, I, I feel like I'm the strongest. Yeah. I love that. And it goes back to just who you are as a person and collecting people and connecting people. And this is really just who you are, I think, at your core. And so it doesn't surprise me that that also really ties in for joy for you and what that looks like. And what does joy really feel like for you? Well, actually, quick thing. I love being alone. I love, I'm such an extrovert, but I love being alone so, 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 so much. And that's something that I didn't really no, until later on in life. Um, but yeah, joy. Okay. So there's this game that I play about joy and I learned it from my friend, Lisa Ruiz, but you ask someone what brings them joy. Yeah. And she asked, you know, we did this like little ceremony thing. And this person next to me asked me what brought me joy and like the silliest things bring me joy. I get such joy from putting sweatpants on and putting, <laughs> yeah, putting on a robe and taking off my bra, like such joy. Yeah. That brings me more joy 
that and then like a glass of wine when when I come home and my boyfriend's like, here, I got you a glass of wine. And you know, the <laughs> glass of wine is poured. I'm like, is this heaven? This is amazing. <laughs> Is like, this what heaven looks like? Because this is my out. version of heaven, and the dog's like on my lap. But I'm like, this is so so exciting for me right now. Like, oh, I, I love, love it. relaxing. But I love like those little things, those little moments. Of, oh, I, I wear contacts also. So like taking out my contacts, I wear the dailies and throwing yeah. them out at the end of the day brings me complete joy. And like yeah. putting my glasses on and just feeling like makeup free for the day. So it's like weird little things, uh, that yeah. bring me more joy than yeah. normal. People. Yeah. It's those simple things. I mean, it doesn't have to be something big and grand. It can just be whatever just makes you so happy. I mean, honestly, there's nothing better in life than like coming home, taking your makeup off, putting on sweatpants and wrapping yourself in a fuzzy blanket and calling it a day and like checking cool. out. I mean, Honestly, Checking I'm like getting, out. I'm getting excited You're and like excited ready, like for the end of my day. So I can do that too. I love, I just love how joy is really that the, all of those small things for you. What do you think has yeah. been, what do you think has been the most rewarding part about just this journey that you've mm-hmm. been on and stepping out and doing something for yourself and following your passions? Helping inspire other people, uh, helping people see that if they were feeling itchy, that it's okay. I felt like an itchiness whisper, like people yeah. would come to me and be like, I don't love my job anymore. What do I do? Or they would come to me and, you know, they, they wanted to, they wanted to make a move, but they weren't sure what it was, but they didn't have that resource to talk to. So when I made the move, it inspired a lot of people to start that conversation inside themselves. Like, am I happy here? If it's, if I'm not happy, is it the job? Is it what I'm doing? Like, what is it? what is that actual reason? And I don't think everyone in their mom should be an entrepreneur. Like we're psychos. We're absolute (laughs) psycho people. Like if there is something wrong with my brain that doesn't work like a normal person, I'm pretty positive of that. (laughs) However, I, I love the fact that I can help people make the right choices and not make the mistakes that I made or like the stumbles that I made as, as I did this. I know every tool that you need in your toolbox that I had to collect slower, you know, at the beginning and figure out on my own. And then also I think, yeah, I I just love being able to have someone like getting an email from someone and saying, you know, that event last night or that match that you matched me with or, or your words on that, you know, that podcast really stirred something inside of me. And, and I like that. I like that Mm -hmm. I can help make you a little uncomfortable, even in yourself. Yeah, I love this. And I love just about the itchiness and that I think mm-hmm. by following the itchiness for yourself, I mean, this is going to sound so strange out of context as somebody hears this podcast and they just tune in at this one spot, yeah. but itchiness. the itchiness, but if you follow, you know, that itchiness, I think you give other people permission to do the same. And then there's so much wisdom and tools and things that you gather along the way that then you can pass on. And so mm-hmm. I love, I love hearing that. And I love how that has really been so rewarding for you. And then hearing feedback from other people, it's such a nice confirmation that you're, you're doing the right thing. And I think because mm-hmm. often we can question it for ourselves. And I feel like those emails that come in are always so timely. They just like show up when you need them. Yeah. You're like, should I, should I have a corporate job? Should I do consulting? I don't know. Yeah. And then, yeah, you get the email and you're like crying hysterically. I, I remember the first blog post written about me was right after I quit and went live, I think like December 24th or something like that. And yeah. I just remember hysterically crying on my couch and being like, how this is how someone else perceives me because you, you need that support system and you need that. Yeah. You need that audience to kind of push you up 
in, in those moments of doubt. Because those moments of doubt, totally. if any entrepreneur is like, oh, it was the easiest ride or everything was awesome, they're lying to you or mm-hmm. they have like figured it out perfectly because I don't think it should be a smooth journey. And I think there's something fun about riding out the waves. Yeah, I love this. I think so many of us fear those waves too. Mm -hmm. And so hearing from somebody who's been through some choppy waters getting to where we are today and and hearing them talk about, you know, enjoying that ride and enjoying Mm -hmm. the bumpiness and embracing it. I think the more we embrace it too, the better we'll be. Yeah. And even for my own business, like I'm now in year three. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of questions I ask myself like, okay, so what now? Like, what's the next thing? Should we do video series? Should I launch more chapters? Should we do one-on-one coaching? Should we um, do bigger programs? Should we do more retreats? Should I do a conference? Like there's so many ideas. And even looking at all those ideas, I just want to crawl into a, a warm blanket and be like, I don't know. I'll just stick with what we have right now. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to overwhelm people. I don't want to yeah, it's hard. Like you never know what you need. Yeah. But at the same time, just on the flip side of that too, I mean, there's endless possibilities and there are endless things for you to do. And, um, there's no one size fits all with even starting your own business and, and it can go in so many different directions. And so I think, you know, reminding ourselves and others of that too, I think, I don't know, it just feels really important. And I think we, we fall behind this mask or facade or charade of like what it looks like all pretty and tied into a bow on, mm-hmm. on Instagram. And it's like, there's a real person behind this who's, who has to make those decisions and is figuring it out as we, as she goes or he goes. And mm-hmm. and so reminding people of like, Hey, like we're all figuring it out. We're all struggling. Yeah. Totally. The struggle is real for the everyone. Str- the struggle is <laughs> so real. So what would you say is your biggest dream? Mm. Oh, to be on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Oh my God. When you go, I need to be in the audience. (laughs) Yes. No, I want to be on Ellen. My goal, this is like actually one goal that I have is to be on Ellen and to make her laugh, tell her a really funny story and make her laugh like her like (laughs) laugh. (laughs) Okay. All right. So you put it out into the universe. It needs to happen. I love this. That's what I want. Emily, I have loved having this conversation with you and learning so much about you and Six Degrees Society. And so where can everyone find you, get involved, Mm -hmm. attend an event? So you can check us out on our website, sixdegreessociety.com, all spelled out. Also on our Instagram. Our Instagram is pretty up to date with what's happening. It's six underscore degrees underscore society. There's some other people in London who have six degrees society. So if you're hearing this, I will buy it from you, anyone. <laughs> but yeah, there uh, we have those. And then we have a Facebook page and then Facebook groups by city. So it's, they're pretty awesome. active if you're looking for like to move or if you're looking for a roommate or if you're looking for um, a new job or just want to post an interesting thing that, that you're going to. Those are great resources for you. So those are just Six Degrees Society and then the city. So like LA or NYC. So check those out and come to an event. I'd love to meet you in person. And it, you, We have amazing ambassadors. And I better see you at the May 9th. Uh, oh, LA I'm going to be there. Okay. Count me okay. in. I will be there. Awesome. Oh, perfect. Okay, so I'm going to include everything in the show notes. So everybody can find you. And I also know you have a newsletter, which I've loved receiving. Yes. So people oh, sign up for you. the newsletter. It's and, on my to-do um, list today. Oh, thank you, Emily. This was so <laughs> much fun. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Take care.